My name is Laurel Snyder, and this book is Orphan Island, which was published by Walden Pond Press, which is part of HarperCollins. Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today's guest is author Laurel Snyder. Laurel's stories have been capturing the hearts of readers for years. In today's episode, we dig deep and look at her book, Orphan Island. Laurel shares what she feels is the difference between being an author and being a writer, about living in the world of Orphan Island for years, and her struggle to find routine. The book is about nine children who live on an island. And once a year, a boat arrives, or a year-ish, we don't really know how much time has passed, but periodically a, a boat arrives at the island sort of by magic. And a little kid is in the boat, like a toddler, and that kid gets out on the sand, and then the oldest kid on the island has to get in the boat and go away. And so there's a sort of cycle to, to the island. And other than that, everything on the island is very sort of calm and soothing and safe and lovely. The main character, Ginny, uh, when the book opens, the boat is arriving, and there's a little girl in the boat named S, and then Dean, who is the oldest child on the island, has to get in the boat and go away. And Ginny, the main character, Dean is her best friend, and she is now becoming the elder. She is becoming the oldest child on the island and has to take responsibility for S and, and t- teach her how to live on the island, but she also has to let go of her best friend, and that's hard. And at the same time, she knows that the next time the boat comes back, it will be coming for her, and that is hard for her. I lived in the world of this, this, this book more than anything else I've ever done. Like, I lived in the world of this book for years, and I know far more than these 10 children. I know 40 children who lived on the island, and I know generations before this story takes place, and I know what happens after. And and so it's a funny thing. I think we think of stories as having a very specific kind of narrative arc, and, and maybe we think of series as kind of having arc after arc after arc. But we think when we think of a standalone novel, we think of the book ex- as existing only in in the moments that we have on that page. This is a book that exists for me, stretching in both directions. And I had to decide where to stop it. Um, and I've talked about the ending of this book with so many people, but I really feel strongly that I chose the right place to stop it. The big thing I learned from this book The big lesson of this book was that I needed to be a writer and not an author. Um, I've been a writer since I was a child. I've been thinking about it so much lately, how much, it sounds hyperbolic, but I get teary, how much writing really did save my life um, and create worlds for me that were safe or happy in times when things weren't safe or happy or give me a way to get out of a puzzle or a relationship or a problem. Um, it, it really has been like a North Star for me. In some ways, what the last year of my life has been is about going back to being younger and realizing that my younger self was smarter than my older self. 
When I was eight years old and I invented stories to make myself feel better, I was doing the right thing. And when I was 17 years old and I went out into the streets and demonstrated because I thought the world was messed up and we could help make it better, I was doing the right thing. And when I was 30 years old and I was trying to figure out, you know, what color snow boots went with, you know, whatever, like parenting stuff or sort of trying to trying to mellow myself, trying to become a more sort of reasonable version of myself um, who doesn't stay up crazy late at night and drink too much wine and fight with people and yell <laughs> and, and write weird stories in corners. Um, I think I talked myself into thinking that as we get older, we learn and grow and become better people necessarily, like inherently, that like age and like wisdom comes with age. And... I really feel like the lesson of this year was that that may be true, but also my younger self has things to teach me. And that this experience of writing this book and kind of coming back to my notebooks, you know, and not my Facebook, well, not, I don't want to say not my Facebook feed, coming back to my notebooks and not, you know, Publishers Weekly or whatever, um, is, is related to the need to get out in the streets or canvas or write pieces that might upset people about what I think is happening in the world around us. Um, and I also think that those two things are sort of these, like, these, my political life and my writing life run alongside each other, but also they inform each other. And I really feel like the work that I'm making right now is very different than the work that I was making two years ago politically. Being, a, being an author is a job. Being a writer is, is a, like a daily practice. Um, and, and this book really was the book that took me back to that, that, that I sort of, I had gotten out of the habit of just writing things down for myself in a notebook and processing the world that way and interacting with people as characters or with moments that happen in my life as potential or magic, you know? I, I, that is something, I mean, it sounds flaky, but, like, that is something I really believe. I believe in, like, complete potentiality. And, and that's what makes writing fun, is that it can go anywhere. And I think I had just gotten into a place where I was too surrounded by the business and the blogs and the podcasts and the, I mean, all of this stuff, which is so fun, and I love the relationships that I built out of it. But it's the opposite of writing. The writing is going into a dark corner and sticking your head down and waking up four hours later, having figured something out that you didn't know you knew. And, um, and Orphan Island really, for me, was about putting my head back down and blocking everything else out and inventing a world that I wanted to live in for a couple of years. And I feel like I got that back, and now I feel like I won't lose it again. I don't have good routines and I don't have good boundaries. It's, it's maybe the biggest problem in my daily life. Um, I wake up, I wake my children up, my husband gets ready while I, because I, I don't have to go anywhere, right? So I, I make the coffee and kind of get breakfast started or whatever is going to look like breakfast. And then I yell at the children a few times up the stairs. And then they come down and then I yell at them some more. <laughs> and eventually lunches get packed and breakfast gets made. And then my older son walks to school and my younger son and my husband leave together. And then I sit down. And on a good day, 
I immediately launched Freedom, which is a program that blocks social media. And I get in the shower. And when I get out of the shower, I no longer have access to social media. And I get my coffee, and maybe I start a little laundry, and then I sit down and I try to get some work done. Um, On a bad day where I don't do that, I will then spend three hours staring at Facebook, if I'm being super honest. And that's not good. One thing that's been new this year is that I started teaching at Hamlin at the... uh, the MFA program there for young writing, or whatever. It's children's writing. I don't even know what the acronym is. It's, it's an MFA in children's book writing. And um, that's been really nice because it does create structure. So there's at least one, maybe one and a half weeks of the month where I'm totally focused on that. And so then I focus a little bit better. Anyway, so I write, and I check my Facebook, which I shouldn't do, and I send a bunch of emails, or I invoice school visits, or whatever. I mean, it all just gets blended up for me. I don't do a good job of separating those things out. If I'm writing, writing, I protect that time, and then I put my head down for, you know, I'll launch Freedom for four hours, and I'll write for four hours. If I haven't done that, it all gets lost. And then... At some point, I'm very bad. Like, often, like, I don't really get dressed, and I, my, my breakfast will be, like, leftovers from last night's dinner, like, eaten from a saucer. Like, it's all very messy. At some point, I realize it's 2.45, and I need to jump in the car and go get Lewis. And, and, and usually, sometimes I'll have a Skype or something in the afternoon. Like, I like to do Skypes mm-hmm. with teachers when the kids are home because I'm not going to get writing done. Um, so sometimes I'll have a Skype in the afternoon or something, but often my afternoons involve like making chili or watching TV with the kids or something like that. It's really all very messy and it doesn't make any sense and it's not anything anybody, it's nobody's fantasy of the writing life. (laughs) Orphan Island's done everything I could possibly have hoped it would do. I mean, it's a beautiful book. They made it into a beautiful object. I love the editor that I'm working with and the team at Walden Pond. It has reached more children than any other book I've written that I, I think. Um, and it's, it's, it's made people have conversations that they might not have had otherwise, I think. I mean, I, I know I've had conversations about it that I hadn't had before. Um, and I see, I think that's been really rewarding that sort of and I can't help it we all google ourselves you know you poke around online and you see these comment threads or twitter discussions between people about a book where one person hates it and the other person likes it or they're arguing about why they both hate it but they hate it for different reasons or whatever it is and I feel like for me that's that's what books are supposed to do and I know that that's not what everybody thinks books are supposed to do and I know that people don't always like it But I sort of feel like any book that everyone likes isn't doing a whole lot. And I sort of feel like an interesting conversation or a thought-provoking idea is worth more in the long run than sort of entertainment. And while I would like to entertain people, obviously, the idea that that's what books are for, like if that's all books are for... I, then, like, then it's, I'm in the wrong business. It, it, it. So yeah, I mean, I think it's done what I wanted it to do. It's, it's, it's been exciting. It's, it's been a wild ride this year, and I've visited so many schools and 
book festivals, and I mean, I've gotten to do so many interesting things. But at the end of the day, like, what it really comes down to is that I get these angry letters from kids who want to know things, and then I write back to them and explain why I can't answer their questions, and and then their responses to me are really thoughtful and processing and respectful, and and that just feels super good. I don't know. I, I feel like we live in this weird moment of, like, with Goodreads and Amazon and all this kind of stuff where everybody chimes in and and sort of seems to think that that a, that that I don't like this or sort of I didn't enjoy this is is a critique or is a review, and that's not a critique. Um, so so the books that I've written where everybody wrote in and said I like this, okay, f- that's fine. <laughs> like I like peas. Um, I'd much rather I'd much rather people be arguing about why it bothered them. And the best thing of all has been over and over people writing to me and saying, I really didn't like this book, but I can't stop thinking about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to the National Council for Teachers of English, NCTE, for providing me with a room to record this interview in. During last year's annual conference, Travis and I will both be at NCT in the fall in Houston. We hope to see you there. Thank you, Philip Stead, for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from Poddington Bear via the Free Music Archive. Thanks, Travis, for producing this episode. Thank you to Laurel Snyder for writing books that we just can't stop thinking about. If you have an idea for a season or episode of The Yarn, shoot us an email, theyarnpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.